Blog Talk Radio.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Miss Dorothy Norwood, this morning. And when there's a praise in the temple, there's a praise in the house. Hallelujah. Uh, we thank God for good gospel music this morning. Thank God for another Monday morning. He brought us safely through the weekend to start a new week, and he brought us up until this present time. We're grateful unto him. I'm a bit excited and happy this morning. Congratulations, Brother Louis, 12 years, 12 years. <laughs> Louis has been holding that chat room down for 12 long years. Is there something? I tell the Lord, thank you. And he blessed us, blessed us that we are here in 2022, August the 15th. Yeah, we started around the ending of August of 2010, and uh, we continued. When I first started off, I did not know what in the world I was doing. But I was looking for a place to have prayer online. That just come to me strong one morning. I was in school and uh, finishing up, trying to finish up a school, and I went for a uh, human management resources, I think it was, worker. And uh, I wanted to work in the nursing home with the elderly. And uh, I could see myself over there, you know, in my mind, imagining that I could help a lot of people over there, you know, and help their families. And right coming close to uh, time to graduate, I didn't feel that way anymore. And I began to pray, and the Lord began to show me people were sleeping in a deep sleep. He would shake them, and they wouldn't wake up. Oh, they were sleeping hard. And so I said, I, I got to find somewhere to pray every day. So a friend of mine, uh, Reggie Graham, I um, asked him on Facebook, I said, hey, where could I find a place to pray every morning? He sent me the link. Go here. So when I get over to Blog Talk, I already had an account set up. And I didn't remember setting up an account. I'm like, wow. And I went in there and read a little bit and did as much as I possibly could. And uh, I got it started. And uh, Pastor Howell would come. And uh, neither of us knew what we was doing, but we, we was determined. So we would pray and we would work at it. And so we got things going, and I would have her to come almost every morning and bring the message. I would do devotion. She would bring the message of the day. We would play music, and other people on blog talk, you know, they saw it. And so they started coming, and uh, I was meeting different people, and I met a brother by the name of Lance, Brother Lance. And each year I celebrate, I always play his message. And uh, his message that year uh, was, devil, you should have killed me when you had the chance. And uh, he gave his testimony of, uh, you know, how he got saved and the different things that happened to him at home. He went through child abuse and all kind of stuff. And, and we're going to play his message uh, so that you'll be able to uh, hear it. But I love that message of devil, you should have killed me when you had the chance. You'll get to hear Minister Howell screaming. <laughs> we were so happy. And then another brother, uh, he come along. I got to remember this brother's name as good as I know it. And he was a police officer. 
and he said that he prayed the prayer. I, I got to find his message, too, because I want to play that this week. And uh, he said he prayed and asked the Lord to use him anywhere he wanted to use him. Lord, I'm just willing to be used. And he was a police officer. And when he prayed that prayer, he really didn't, you know, pray specific kind of. He ended up in jail on a murder charge. The police. And the Lord brought him out of that. He said that many days he saw people going home, you know, they calling him out, going home. And he said he started talking to the Lord and said, Lord, you know I'm innocent. You know, I didn't do anything that they're accusing me of. How is it all these people going home and I'm still here? And I didn't commit no crime. The minute these people committed crime. And the Lord reminded him, you, talk, you asked me for this. You asked me to use you, and uh, it's what I'm doing. So look, he got out. He got out now, and uh, he's for Oak Overtree. Yeah, Brother Overtree. I, I got to find his message. I want y'all to hear this message, and uh, he's out of Miami. And so we starting off, we just had some wonderful, wonderful guests come, wonderful times. If you go back. In the 2010 archives, you can find all of the old stuff that we used to do. And uh, it was just a blessing. Many come along. Pastor Howell was the uh, co-host. Uh, Brother Lance was around. Uh, Bishop Scott and Teresa Scott, Evangelist Scott was around. Oh, so many people came through. So, uh, oh, my good sister Sandy with uh, God have got my back. She have these like dog tags like you have in the military. And on the tag is God has got my back. Oh, it was just a wonderful time. Wonderful time. And I think she was out of Indiana. And her nieces would come and sing and all this kind of thing. And it was just a beautiful time. And then the Lord just brought us on, continuing on. I was willing to get up every morning and come and do Jesus in the morning. At this time, when I was doing Jesus in the morning, first started off, I had laundry to do for people. I had cooking to do for people, cleaning to do for people. I had a 1998 Ford Contour car. Brother Louis remember the Silver Soldier. And uh, I was taking people to and from medical appointments, you know, taking people uh, to put their prescription in at the pharmacy, go back and pick it up and just so much. Sometimes children, a uh, parent had to go to the school and get a child and they didn't have a car and they would call me and I would stop what I'm doing and go take them to pick their children up or whatever the case may be. I remember sometimes um, a parent, you know, they didn't have enough insurance or enough money uh, to take the child to the dentist and I would come here and ask for dental money and uh, Brother Louie and different ones would give. I went to see about Sister Mari, her and Shania in Atlanta, and Brother Louis blessed me to go down there so I could see about uh, Sister Mari and Shania. Sister Mari said, well, my goodness, and she was telling her friends, I didn't know this lady, but she helped me out a lot. I used to, go, you know, just go to her show every morning, and me and Shania was going through it, and this lady came all the way from Florida. And, and bless me and Shania and my neighbor, Sister Gloria, Minister Gloria, lived next door to uh, Sister Mari. And when Mari told her I was there, Gloria, come over. 
And so, oh, we had a wonderful time. I'll never forget that meal, Brother Louis. I cooked cabbage. You know I had to cook over there. You know I'm a foodaholic. Cooked cabbage over there, fried chicken and all of that, banana pudding, everything from scratch. And they was asking me, how you get this chicken like that? I said, I don't know. I just cook it. And we had such a, went to church down there with Prophet Chad and his wife and uh, went to a church where I had met this lady online. And let me tell y'all something. God have used me in some mighty ways, and 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 it, it just was unusual and strange and peculiar. I met the lady online, and she was a pastor in Atlanta, and the Lord sent me over to her church. And when I got there, the lady was like, "Well, how you know them?" And oh, it was just strange. It was some strange stuff. But nonetheless, I obeyed God and come out of Atlanta blessed. Yes, I was blessed. Not financial blessings, but many more different kinds. Ministry group. I know Brother Louis probably remember when I went down to the uh, television station in Tallahassee and spoke down there on the air. Oh, so many things. So many things God did through Jesus in the morning. So many people I was introduced to. And uh, all, all, I can't remember everything, but so much was going on. And every time I would get to do something, I would come and share it here. Yeah. And so many listeners, uh, 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 D, um, oh, I used to call them gangbangers. Remember their Brother Louis? And I said, Lord, forgive me. I got to stop calling these ladies gangbangers. All of them at the time was over 60. And, uh, oh, it was just beautiful. It was Sister Sandy and different ones. Sister G, yeah, and uh, another lady, she came all the way from Alabama here, and I was like, you didn't have to leave home. All you had to do was call the show and be a guest, her and her husband, and a friend of mine named Kim, she went with me. She said, I'm going with you to meet these people all the way from Alabama coming. They didn't know they could just call in. I said, no. She said, well, I'm going with you, and Barbara, let me pay for the meal. I said, okay, Kim, I'll let you pay for the meal. I'll let you go with me. So we met her, and then I led them back how to go up 82, 82 to 65 to get back to Alabama. Yeah, God is faithful. God is faithful. And uh, I'm so thankful unto him for all of the great testimonies uh, that we had. And then later on, I started meeting other people. I would do Blog Talk TV and Blog Talk Radio. You could see me on Blog Talk TV doing the radio in the morning. And uh, Brother Anthony come along, and he liked what he heard, and he never stopped coming. Brother D come along. Oh, Brother D been here a long time too, y'all. And Brother D liked what he heard, and he never stopped coming. And uh, so many more. And then later on, I picked up on Dorothy Goodman. And she introduced me to her family. She was so excited to know me. And one day she said, you know what? I don't know how I got to meet you. I said, I do. And uh, we just became the best of friends. And um, I could call Dot and talk to Dot about anything. Uh, every holiday, I don't care what kind of holiday it was, she would send me a card and a gift card. And I have a, a lot of Beautiful cards from her, and every now and then I'll read a couple of them, you know, during the show. 
and uh, so many more. Oh, so many more people. I have a, a stack of letters and all of that with people wrote me over the years. And uh, I was just blessed. I was just blessed and uh, so grateful unto the Lord. And today I want to play Brother Lance, but I got to find it. And I have it, I think. And I think we're going to listen to that. So look, we're going to one more song of the morning. And when we come back, we'll come back with our morning prayer and uh, after morning prayer. Um, we'll hear a couple of testimonies. I think we're going that way today because I have some guests, live guests coming. And uh, I text one just a few minutes ago, Susie Yvonne, she was coming uh, this morning to give a testimony. So I text her to make sure, you know, she's awake. But I'm not sure because California is probably around 5 o'clock in the morning there. And so, uh, you know, that's quite early because they might be 4 because they're 3 hours behind me. And so I got to give her a few minutes to wake up. And I told her 8 o'clock, you know, so it'll be a little bit later uh, for her. And uh, she'll write me back in a little bit when she get up and let me know what's going on. That's Margaret's daughter. Yeah. All right. So let's take a listen to this one. And uh, when we come back, we come back with our morning prayer. I've run out of answers, I've run out of time And I'm so confused that I'm losing my mind It's gonna take a miracle to help me this time I'm traveling a road that has not one time
inspiring and encouraging you all day long. Jesus in the Morning Radio with Barbara. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Mr. Reuben stuttered this morning, and I need an angel. Oh, yeah, and this brother can sing. Yes, he can. And uh, I like listening to Reuben, and he's got some wonderful, awesome testimonies. And so I thank God for him. Thank God for this song. And uh, we go into prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for another Monday morning. Thank you for another week beginning. Father, we thank you for 12 years of Jesus in the Morning Radio Talk Show. Thank you for what you've done through this show. Thank you for what the people that you've sent our way. Father, we thank you for Brother Lewis being faithful in the chat room. Thank you for Sister Dark and all of the things that she's doing to bless Jesus in the morning and Freedom Doors Ministries. We thank you, Lord, for almost 12, I mean, almost 20 years of Freedom Doors Ministries. We thank you, Father. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. And we come before you this morning, bow down in humbleness. Father, we come this morning thanking you for all you've done, all you're doing, and all you're going to do. Without you today, Father, we can do nothing. And we need you to keep reminding us to prepare for your return. For, Father, you're coming back, and you're looking for the church without spot or rancor. We thank you this morning that, God, you will remind us every now and then our hell is hot, and it enlarges itself daily. And, Father, it's not a place for us. We're your people. And we want to go back with you when you come. We speak it out loud this morning that heaven is our home. Hallelujah. And we're just passing through the earth. It's our workstation. And one day we're going to clock out down here for the last time because we're going home to be with you. We thank you this morning that you sent your son Jesus. Thank you for his suffering, his hanging, his bleeding, his dying. Thank you for him conquering all and rising with all power. Father, we thank you that you sent him back to prepare a place for us, that where he is, we may be also one day. We give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise. This morning we bow down and worship, to worship you in spirit and in truth. But Father, there's none like you, none who love us the way that you love us, none who understands us the way that you understand us. Help us today. Let this mind be in us that was also in Christ Jesus. Father, we want to please you this morning. We want to do what you can accept. And help us today to be a people that accept what you allow. Almighty God, Jehovah, help us today. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we are asking these things of you. For again, without you, we can do nothing. We come this morning to cast our cares upon you. For you care for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, I bring every call and every listener before you. Every household represented here. Those coming through the archives and the podcast. Father, I bring all of us. We come before you this morning. And we ask that you would bless us this day like never before. Father, send uncommon miracles our way. Father, Bless us in a way that the world will see that you are our God and that we are your people. Hallelujah. And because of our obedience, because of our love for you, you open your arms and you pour out blessings upon us. 
And Lord, as we praise you, you send down blessings upon us. Oh, Lord, show the world why we love you so much this day. In the name of Jesus. Father, we bring those here that are sick this morning. Those are not feeling well. We bring them before you and ask that you would touch and heal today. In the name of Jesus. Father, touch hearts and minds. Regulate minds today. Heal hearts today. Oh, you're the God that heal all manner of sickness and disease. Do it here this morning for the sake of your people and for your own name's sake. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Hallelujah. We bring those that are incarcerated, those that are in every branch of the military, Father, widowers and bereaved families, intercessory prayer people everywhere, praying for others in the name of Jesus. Preachers, preaching in the name of Jesus in obedience unto you and love for your people. Israel and Jerusalem. Father, our brothers and sisters everywhere overseas. America and the leadership of America. And we ask this morning that you would bless this segment of Jesus in the morning. Have your way here. Move by your spirit for the sake of your people. Feed us all until we want no more. And Father, again, we're thankful unto you for 12 years. For Lord, we want you to be pleased with the work here. Lord, we want you to see that we do things that most wouldn't do. And not for the sake of us, but for the sake of you. Uh, that your will would be done in the earth. Use us in your service to bless your people. Strengthen us, God, to be workers unto you. That we can work while it's day because night is coming. And when night comes, no man can see. We're yours here. We're all yours, oh God. You made us for your pleasure. Have your way in our lives. Strengthen us as you use us. Strengthen us as you have your way in our lives. In the name of Jesus. Oh, we thank you. We thank you. Father, continue to bless America and the leadership. Continue to have mercy, oh God. Continue to let your grace abound. In the name of Jesus. We thank you. We give you the glory, the honor, the praise. And we worship you in spirit and in truth this day. And asking it all again in your son Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We can't say thank you enough for all you've done already or what you're doing right now. And, Father, we're looking forward to the future things that you're going to do for us. Or oh, we're grateful unto you. We can't thank you enough. Hallelujah. For if it had not been for you on our side today or your friend. Uh, we have a friend in you, a friend in Jesus. All our sins and griefs we bear, Father, all because we do not carry everything to you in prayer. Uh, help us this morning to be your people. Help us to be the candle that sit on the hill that can't be healed. Or let us show that we are the savor of the earth. We are what gives the earth its savor. Help us this morning. In the name of Jesus, all oh, we thank you. We thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we're grateful unto you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thought about that thing, 12. He chose 12 disciples. Yeah, chose him 12. Good morning to you. See, I just want to say happy birthday to you. <laughs> Did you think I would forget? Oh, uh, yeah, I got friends, you know. I got friends. Yeah, I got me some friends. So, I... 
was reminded several times to see on birthday Monday, see on birthday the 15th. So I want to make sure I sang happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Leon Jackson. Happy birthday to you. We pray for many more. Hallelujah. That early morning voice, I got it out. I got it out. So we thank God for you. Pray that you have a blessed day. And the gifts come from everywhere. Cards come from everywhere to celebrate your special day. Hallelujah. August the 15th. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Happy birthday again. And so we're thankful this morning. We are going in with a couple of testimonies. And I'm going to let the message of the day be last. And um, later on in the week, I plan to have uh, Bishop G. Patterson and Bishop Noah Jones and uh, Pastor Terry K. Anderson and some other ones. And, uh, oh, my goodness, I love messages. You know, that God used me to teach and to preach messages. I love that kind of thing because everything is going down but the word of God. Yeah, people think their flesh being happy and, you know, doing what they like. No, that's that gonna, that's going down. But the word of God will stand forever. And so I love to hear a good message. And I love to apply that word from God to my everyday life. Because so many people forget to apply that word. Yeah, it's all right to know it, James said. But James said, don't just be a hearer and a knower, in other words, but be a doer. Yeah, it's best we do what the word says for us to do. It don't make us perfect because daily we're striving for perfection in Jesus. We're striving to get that thing right, hallelujah, with him. And so we're thankful again this morning. I am going to donate this one to Sharon Slayton. I think I got her name right over on LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, God send people. And uh, many times it's to encourage us. Yeah, he'll send someone along to encourage us. Because sometimes we, the, 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 the preacher, we, the pastor, we, the evangelist, you know, we, we, the prophet, the prophet, we need encouraging just like anyone else. And so when someone comes along and say, that was awesome. You know, that was a wonderful message you brought this morning. Uh, or someone come along and say, I, feel, I felt the spirit of God moving over there today. Yeah, that's encouraging because it allows you to know that God is yet using you to bless others. Without him, I can't bless nobody. I'm just a simple vessel that God chooses to use. And many times people get it mixed up because, see, they don't see God. They see the person. They're looking at what the preacher said, what the preacher is, what the pastor's doing. But if the pastor bringing a message, I'm going to take it that God sent the message through him for me. And so we get caught up on man. We get caught up on women and all this kind of stuff. Uh-uh. I get caught up in Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Anything good happened, I give him credit. Hallelujah. So good morning to you, Sharon Slayton. And God bless you this morning, and I will add you to the roll call list 
so that I can say good morning any morning that I do roll call. And uh, I'm going to dedicate this one to you this morning. Uh, Hold on. I had another one. But I want to find one that I can dedicate to you. Okay. Let's dedicate this one to you, Sharon.
and change. The closing of one chapter, the beginning of something new, where miracles become reality and we get a glimpse of what lies beyond, the place where heaven meets earth. How do the decisions we make and the way we choose to live our lives here on earth impact eternity? And as believers, what do we have to look forward to in heaven? Well, today's special guest is here to answer those questions and share about his near-death experience, which is going to be amazing. First joining me around the table is my daughter in love, Susanna Lamb. Are you excited? I am beyond excited. Thank you for having me. I love hearing about these kind of testimonies. Dorothy, welcome to the table. Thank you, thank you. And Near I'm death, so dead for 11 hours. Oh my goodness, Ooh, I cannot back. wait to hear. <laughs> I know, Rachel, Michelle Lamb-Brown, I could put every name in there. Are you ready for this? <laughs> I'm so ready, and I know you've been so excited about it, but for us, it's even more meaningful just because That's right. it's where God is now. So That's it's, right. it's interesting to learn more about it. It is where Dad is and where we are going. Rebecca Lamb-Wise, how are you? I'm great. Are you excited about this testimony today? Oh, 100%. You've, got, you've already heard a little bit of it, so you're really excited for the people that haven't heard it to hear it. Yes. Cindy Murdoch, I know we love testimonies, oh, don't goodness. we? Oh, goodness. Heaven sounding sweeter. I love that. I love that. <laughs> well, he's a former airline pilot and businessman whose unexpected journey to heaven is impacting lives around the world, and we're excited to have him share his story with us. Please help me welcome Jim Woodford. <laughs> Welcome. Ladies. Hello there. Hey. <laughs> All Welcome. the way from Canada. Yeah. Well, in 2014, Jim had a near-death experience and spent 11 hours in eternity. And during this time, the Lord showed him some of the wonders of heaven, along with giving him a glimpse into what hell is really like. And yes, there is a place called hell, and we don't want anybody watching to go there, and neither does God. Well, today he's here to tell us all about this supernatural encounter. Welcome. Thank you, Joni. Thank you for um, coming all the way from Canada and your book, Heaven, An Unexpected Journey. I know we'll barely scratch the surface, so you're going to have to get the book and read every word in it. But let's, we don't have a lot of time. We've got to, we got to, we got to get you dead and back alive again. So um, let's just, I'm just going to recap. Jim was very successful businessman and airline pilot. I mean, the Lord really blessed you, and all of a sudden, here you have a sickness that comes upon you, and they take you to the hospital, and they find out it's what? Guillain-Barre. What is that? Exactly. It's, uh, uh, in a nutshell, it's the, the myelin, your own autoimmune system attacks the myelin sheath on your brainstem, and it's as though you took an electrical cord and cut all the insulation off, and all the signals go wild. Tremendous pain paralysis, difficulty speaking, uh, you name it, it's, it's bad. That had to be a devastating blow for you because here you had been airline pilot, very active, and all of a sudden it just kind of brought you to a halt, didn't it? Yeah, and I ran a number of businesses, and, you know, I, I was <laughs> called Diamond Jim because whatever I touched turned, turned to diamonds. Wow. So where was God pre what your death because yeah. you're you're going to die he's going to die in just a little bit but before that when you all those years of of being successful and then finding out you were sick finding out what you had 
Where was God in the picture? I mean, how did you how did you see God? You know, I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, my my family were Catholic, and I had a good upbringing. Um, and uh, but. As I got older, I suppose like many of us, I gravitated toward the business of making life and making success, that sort of thing. So, uh, and with my success at whatever I attempted, I developed an arrogance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And slowly, uh, my, I suppose like everyone, I hoped that someone was in charge of the chaos. So I wasn't an agnostic, but I certainly wasn't a true believer. Okay, so let's jump ahead if we could a little bit because I want to make yes. sure and get all of heaven in because it's so amazing, the yes. story. Because um, really, we could take two and a half hours and we still wouldn't get the whole story. <laughs> we only have 30 minutes. So, okay, so you sell a piece of land and you're, um, you're, you're out of the hospital, but you're addicted to painkillers because you had pain like 24 7 right yeah it, and, uh, and it wasn't nuisance pain it was it was incredible pain i mentioned uh, to you one time that i actually kept a leather strap by the bed to bite on to keep from screaming wow. in the night and oh. waking the family wow. oh my goodness. so but you know never once did i call it to god mm. in my stupidity and my arrogance oh, wow but uh, boy did i learn quick mm. <laughs> okay so you got addicted to painkillers because of course they, they, that's how he would function through the day. And so eventually, I guess you built up a resistance and you needed more pain medicine and more pain medicine. So on this particular day, you, you, weren't, you hadn't been driving or anything, but you were going to look at a piece of property that you had sold. And because it was back roads, you were going to just go in your truck yep. and, and make sure the markers were correct. Yep. So, so pick up there and take us through what happened. And so it was late in the afternoon. Uh, sun was starting to set, and uh, I drove to this site, and I parked the truck. And I didn't do it intentionally, but I was facing the setting sun. Little did I know the sun was setting on the day and on my life. Mm. And uh, I, I was trying to get up the, the energy to get out of the truck. I felt so sick, and I had stashed some more medication and I realized I'd already taken more for the day, but you know, pain is a terrible thing. It, it drives you. And uh, I just wanted the relief. And so I took more and I sat back waiting for that to happen. And instead of that nice warmth, warm relief of, of the ache in every bone in my body, uh, suddenly it felt as though my feet were on fire. And I actually look, remember looking down at the floor of the truck. Why is there a fire in the truck? And, and it spread rapidly up my legs from my fingertips inboard and seized my lungs. And you know when you're dying. Mm. And, and it was so I was drowning because my lungs were collapsing. And I kept raising my head to try to breathe. And then I, in that last instant, someone who had never prayed since I was a child, I called out three words that made all the difference. From somewhere inside of me, Joni, that I didn't even know still existed, wow. I became instantly aware of all the time I had wasted and all the help that I could have been to people and all the kindness I should have shown. And instead, I was completely absorbed in my own wealth mm. and arrogance. Wow. And I cried out, God, forgive me. Mm. Those God, three words. forgive me. And I remember my hand was shaking as I tried to reach out to God, and I fell forward and collapsed on the steering wheel. Yeah. So then what happened? 
I I can't tell you exactly how long I was over the steering wheel, but I remember waking up, and the first thing I noticed was that I had no pain. This thing that had ruled my life for four years, mm-hmm. I had no pain. It was as though I had taken off a heavy, wet overcoat and the pain with it. I slid out of the truck. I walk about 15 feet away, and I feel incredible. <laughs> it's a spring evening in April. I can hear the birds. I can smell the the grass, and for the first time, I had no pain. Mm. And I looked down at my feet, and it's as though I can see through them. And I, of course, rationalized it and thought, <laughs> boy, that medication was powerful, <laughs> but it worked. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so I'm, I'm just standing there absorbed in the feeling of being healthy again. And I turn and look at my truck, and instantly I'm filled with rage because someone is in my truck not only that he's sleeping on the steering wheel (laughs) and so i turn to go over there and just (laughs) do what guys do and and uh tell him i didn't appreciate it and have you ever had a dream where something's chasing you you can't move your feet that's what it was like but i managed to inch a little closer and i look up and i i words fail me to describe to you the moment when i look into the truck and that realization that that body leaned over the wheel of that truck is not a stranger it is me Mm. and i know it's me because my head is this way on the wheel and there's blood gushing from my mouth wow Wow. And but in my arrogance and my, you know, ability to fix anything, fly anything, do anything, I thought if I could just get over there and get back in my body, everything would be okay. Little did I know, it was not okay. Wow. Suddenly I began to rise and I'm floating upwards, and I'm looking down at the truck. I can see my body through the rear window of the truck, and I get to I get and I'm very aware of the altitude as a pilot, and I get up there and I tilt my head back. This beautiful golden circle appears in the sky like a gigantic wedding ring, 60 feet in diameter. The center fills with gold, and then the gold swings back. And then, as though I had hit all the thrusters on the jets on the aircraft that I used to fly, I went at tremendous speed into that tunnel of light. Um, I'd heard the term before, tunnel of light, and... I think most people have, but that's exactly what it was. It's a, it's a, a corridor to, to another place. And uh, sometimes, and, and it was almost instantaneous. I went through it. The strangest thing, Joni, was no, typically if you're going fast, you hear the speed of the wind, you feel the wind on your face, nothing, just silence. I come to a door and, and, and it's covered in mist, a door or a portal and and i i lift i i know i have no choice but to go through because the tunnel is closing behind me and so i step through and it's misty i cannot see but i look down at my feet the mist starts to clear and i can't believe it i'm standing on the most incredible beautiful green grass i've ever seen each blade lit up and and i don't i now know what they mean by the saying the grass is always greener on the other <laughs> side. They're talking about heaven. Yeah. yeah. And, and I look up and the mist clears and I get my first gaze of, of, of paradise. Mm. But there's something interesting. 
on the right there's this beautiful field with flowers and mist and and a beautiful blue sky but curiously enough no sun and as a pilot that's the first thing i look for to orient myself am i northwest am i southeast and i'm looking for the sun and and but as my gaze traversed to the left that beautiful green grass went from green to scorched brown to scorched to black and dropped off in a crevasse i've always been an inquisitive person i couldn't get over the dichotomy between the two vistas and so i walked over very carefully and looked down this pit and the walls were like black anthracite coal and slippery and as i look there's a dim flicker of a red light not unlike a campfire you would see in the distance on a summer night but it started to grow larger and then i heard something really strange the sound of two large doors creaking open on hinges that had not been oiled for a long time and along with that came the flame grew so looking down there were the doors were sideways and the flame grew grew greater and then i saw something to my shock amble out from this and it was massive it was a creature that hollywood couldn't replicate uh uh the most disgusting uh looking creature large with a body of fire and smoke mm. yet it had features not unlike a hyena oh wow and and <laughs> and it was clearly sniffing and 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 searching for something but then suddenly i saw it pause and then it gazed back up toward me the look of hatred mm. in the eyes joni of that creature for anything for me and for mankind mm. was palpable mm. and that combined with the stench of death and decay that came out of that pit oh. it was as it was uh, uh it, it was the smell of despair mm. the smell of despair mm. and then what really galvanized me was i it started to climb up the walls toward me and for a large creature it was fairly nimble and quick how large uh, was it about well it was 60 feet i guess Huge. because when it got up yeah. over the pit i it stood in front of me oh, and uh, and faced like a hyena snarling i mean you know the old time pastors weren't wrong right. we laugh at them now because yeah. oh well how bad can it be let me tell you something folks you don't want to see what i saw yeah. you don't mm. and hollywood couldn't replicate it and slobbering it was drooling i could hear the sound of its drool hitting the slapping the ground and and but the worst thing was i heard my name being mm, called how terrifying my name or my name this creature knew me yeah. I, and i'm trying to rationalize i wasn't that bad a guy i didn't think i was yeah i didn't kill anyone i didn't rob anyone i didn't hurt anyone but i wasn't as kind unless i got a tax receipt mm. and so i i and then along with that my the name of my 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 name being called jim jim we are here for you mm. this is your time with us and and then the strangest thing happened they i heard screaming but here's the sick part the screaming was coming from within the body of this creature it was as though it had consumed souls and they were screaming for release oh my goodness i mean this is the this is what hell is
this 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 is not some fairy tale. And and it came up out of the pit, and I staggered backwards, and and I turned my back to it to keep my sanity. And I felt a claw right down my back. All the while, it's calling my name and trying. And I really feel that if if I had turned around, that would have been acceptance, and I would have been snatched. But instead. Remember the three words I cried out? The God track? forgive me. God forgive me. The next three were magical. <laughs> I turned toward that beautiful vista to my right, and I lifted both my hands, and I cried out, God, God, help me. Mm. Help me. I, 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 who ignored him, expected nothing. Wow. And he gave me everything. <laughs> It's mm. so good. And suddenly, three points of light appear in the sky. They come rushing toward me, and 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 they form. And I realize they're angels. The light came over me and went behind me. And I turned in time to see that light strike the demon. Mm. And when it did, it shrieked and screamed and scrambled back down in that pit. Darkness and evil <laughs> cannot exist in the light of yeah. God. <laughs> and yeah. you here at Daystar are the light of God. Amen. You fight, you fight the fight that no one realizes, mm. keeping evil at bay. Mm. God bless you. Mm. Sorry, I got a little preachy there. I like that. Oh, so I good. That. <laughs> I love that because Daystar we got from Second Peter 1, yeah. 19, a light yeah. that shines in the darkness. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Okay, so when you said, help me God, and those those three points of light started to come through. Yeah. What what happened? Well, <laughs> I'm, and they came from different points. You know, as a pilot, I was trying to figure out what points of the compass are they coming from, and <laughs> they all joined in one and came and made a beautiful landing. I was really impressed with the landing because <laughs> they were coming in hot. <laughs> and uh, had had quickly. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, uh, and as I said, the light, and then so when the, the demons scrambled back down the pit, they came right up to me, and I realized I'm looking at these three magnificent creatures of God, something that I thought was a Christmas card legend, you know? And, and, and they're, they're coming toward me, and the first one is about 10 feet tall, the next one is about 13 feet tall, and the one coming behind was about 15 feet tall and built and dressed like a warrior. Mm. And, uh, and they came right up to me. And, and uh, I, the, the, the curious thing is people say, you say he and, or she. That's because I don't, it's like they had a combination of the, the, the gentleness and determination of a woman, but the physical strength of a man, you know. But to me, they were the best of all of us, but not us. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and and so they they came right up to me and the, the, I discovered later the first one coming to me, toward me was my guardian angel. Now that poor angel had pulled an awful tour of duty, <laughs> <laughs> looking after me. But he came right up to me and put us and I'm looking up into those violet eyes, beautiful beautiful eyes, not unlike yours, oh. and <laughs> violet eyes and and silver hair. Two spires of golden light. I didn't see wings in the in the traditional feathers. It was more of a light, and and they canted inwards and created this halo of 
gold over their silver here, which I think gives us the idea of a halo. It's not. It's a it's a refraction of the light. Anyway, um, and and an arm comes around me, and then a huge wing comes out around me and gathers me, and there I am, cuddled up to the chest Aww. of an angel, mm. <laughs> being being hugged to an angel. Mm. And Joni, people say to me, Jim, what's it like to be hugged by an angel? And I really struggle with that. How do you describe that? And here's what it is. Being hugged by an angel of God is like being hugged by 50 grandmothers at once. <laughs> and, and they said something to you, or was that at the point where they said something to you and they, they kind of bowed in reverence? Yes, and so then the other two came forward and, and they bowed to me. And when they bowed, it was more than a bow of introduction. It was a bow of reverence. Mm. And I was immediately taken by, why would you bow to me, uh, the lowest of, of the low, I'm a man. And, and my guardian said to me, James, do you not know that when we look at mankind, we see the light of our master within you? Oh, wow. Mm. And that's the central part of this book and the reason I read is to remind people constantly of the light and we've talked a lot about light today, mm -hmm. the light that is within each one of you. That is the precious light of God and the light that is in your new baby about to be born. <laughs> that is God's light. It's God's image. It's yes. God's image. Yes. Yes. And we are caretakers of that image. Uh, it is yes. up to us mm -hmm. whether we make that light glow. And guess what? When The more kindness you do, the more you help people, the, the gentler you are with, with, with people, um, the more that light glows and, 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 and people see it. They don't physically see it like I do, but they see there's something different about you. Mm -hmm. And there is something different about you. You are mm -hmm. carrying God's image within mm -hmm. you. And you have, right. you have everything at your disposal. Right, and we have the message of the gospel to share that the light of the world came to this earth exactly. and took our place exactly. and that they can go to heaven one day if they will repent yeah. and believe that he died on the cross for their sins. I mean, it's, it's stunning in its simplicity yes. and in its beauty. Yes. Okay, well, you have to tell the two kind of earthly things that happened that will all, I think, really touched my heart because just the uh, detail of God in that even when one day when we go to heaven, there are going to be things oh, yeah. that remind us yeah. of earth. Yeah, so I was telling Joni earlier, all my life I've loved horses. I grew up, my dad died when I was two. My brother and I, my mom lived with my grandparents. My grandfather was a logger without a tractor back in those days. This would be 1958. Wow. So he logged with horses. And uh, then I get to heaven, and the wonderful thing, imagine the creator of the universe, and he knows what each and every one of you loved as a little girl. Mm -hmm. What was most precious to you is that moment that made you happy. That's all recorded. And so then when he sees you in his home, in heaven, he puts things in front of you that reminds you that you have come home and you're his child again. Wow, wow, wow. So for me... When the angels hugged me in heaven, I smelled tapioca, <laughs> you know, and I keep telling people I'm not here to start the church of the holy tapioca. 
I'm not. <laughs> but it's, it, I think it speaks to the elegance and the, the, the love of our Creator that such a, an ordinary thing yeah. is full of such love. Mm. So you smelled the tapioca pudding because as a little boy. Yeah, because when I was a little boy walking home through a, a raging snowstorm in the middle of July, <laughs> I'd go into my grandmother's house and she'd have a big bowl of warm tapioca for me. Mm. And then your love for horses. And then what my love for horses. So there? as we're, they're showing me things, the curious thing, Joni, was when I, as I was walking along, and I've always been an inquisitive person, and I was asking questions, and before I could ask the question, they gave me the answer, if that makes sense. And at the same time, it was like I was being downloaded with all these, this knowledge of heaven. Wow. I now have six journals of memories oh of heaven wow. that I wrote within the oh first wow. six months of coming back. So, I mean, don't get me on a roll, Joni, because you can't <laughs> shut me up. But it's, it's, it's important. It's the most important thing in our life is our death and where we go. So, getting back to the horses, we come to a, 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 a fence, and uh, the guardian says, James, look, and he raises his hand and does this, and around this clump of trees come three of the most magnificent horses. And uh, my wife and I, by the way, met on horseback. So horses, you know, are, are ingrained in our souls. And uh, they came right up to the fence, and, uh, and I put my hand through. Um, and I should say that I, because I did not study the Bible, uh, I do now, uh, I didn't realize that it says that when, God, when Jesus comes back, he'll be riding a oh, white, white horse. horse. And one of the horses was one white. One of the horses was white. And so I put Palomino. And, and, and it, a done. Yeah. That was great. And, and yeah. I put my I, I put my hand into the coat of uh, the stroke the horse's neck. They were so magnificent, and my hand went right into its body, a being of light. And when I pulled my hand back, the most incredible thing happened: the light of the animal's body, the horse's body, clung to my hand till I got it back about ten inches, and then let go and went back into its body. And I call that the sticky love of God. Wow. God's love wants to cling mm. to you. It wants you back mm. to where you came from. And so there were two things that he loved on earth, tapioca pudding <laughs> and horses. And horses. And he got to experience that at, outside of heaven. Well, we are out of time for today, but I want you to remember that God loves you so much. He cares about every detail of your life, just like Jim's love of horses and tapioca pudding. He sees you right where you are. He's concerned about everything that concerns you. So no matter what you're facing or how far away from the Lord you are, I want you to know something. God is right there with you. And I'm just wondering today, some of you maybe feel like the Holy Spirit's tugging at, you, at your heart. I, I want to know, would you be willing to reach out to him today? If that's you, that's why that toll-free number is on the screen. We have amazing prayer partners who are standing by, always ready to pray with you. And uh, some of you may have never prayed the salvation prayer. They would be honored to do that with you. Some of you may need prayer for healing or restoration, or maybe you're just in a difficult situation. That's why that prayer line exists, so that we can minister to you. You can also go to daystar.com and click on prayer to submit your prayer request that way. And I want you to know that a real person will call you back. If you get a, a voicemail, leave your name and number, and someone will call you back. Well, I want to thank Jim for sharing his amazing story with us today. I know we just scratched the surface of his story, so be sure to pick up a copy of his book, Heaven, An Unexpected Journey. And for more on his ministry, you can visit him online at jimwoodfordministries.com. 
Facebook.com. Also, remember to join the conversation by leaving us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. We'd love to know how today's chat has touched your heart. Make sure you tune in tomorrow. Hallelujah, hallelujah. What an excellent testimony. And as this man is speaking, I can see this, I can feel this, and it even brought up to me my grandmother. Yeah, my dad's mom. Yeah, because I always wanted to meet her, but she passed away before I was born. And my dad often shared with us coming up that in the year of 1925, he never really gave us a date, you know, a month and a day. He always said he remembered as a baby boy, it was 1925. And he said, my grandmother prayed the prayer of faith uh, for the family. And she prayed for him and his children. He didn't have children yet. But she prayed for them because she had told the Lord that she was tired. Uh, she was, I think she had become ill. She had worked herself, you know, so hard, and she was ready to go. And before, you know, she told the Lord, before, you know, I leave with you, God, I want you to raise up one of his seed to do the work that I've done. And... I heard this over and over and over and over. I heard this a long time, basically all my life, when he would talk about his mom. And uh, there was a lady he called her Miss Matt. So every year we went to the family reunion, he would always take me to see this lady, Miss Matt. And so I'm like, and then he would explain later, hey, uh, she was your grandmother's best friend. But they would he would say stuff to her like this is her um you know mama would have been happy yada 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 but at the time i didn't understand i come on up and uh did, went to do a women meeting in birmingham alabama on a thursday night that that that's that, that's a big testimony there but anyway I got there late, and uh, on the lady who invited me to speak, she asked me, could I come back that Sunday? I told her, yeah, I'll stay on there until Sunday. Well, when that Sunday come, I was a speaker, and they had a couple of more people. And when it was over with, there was a huge, tall man, and he had the bishop collar on. You, you know, you could tell he was the head bishop. So he called me out the crowd. And uh, he said, daughter, can I talk to you? I said, yes, sir. And because uh, I was happy to talk to him because when this man stood, he was like a big, huge angel. Oh, he was, oh, yeah. But anyway, um, he said, listen, uh, I want you to know this. He said, I see a lady, an older lady in a rocking chair. And I see her rocking and praying instantly. When he said that instantly, I knew it was my grandmother, Maddie. And he said, this woman prayed the prayer of faith that your dad's seed would continue to work that she would do because she was ready to go home. I knew instantly that was grandmama Maddie. He said, and you're the one that God cho chose. He said, and 
daughter, you're prophetess. He said, and don't you let nobody tell you no different, and don't let, don't you let nobody try to put you down and tell me that you don't know what you're talking about. And so he went on to tell me some other things. But instantly, I knew, I knew instantly that was my grandmother, my dad's mom. So it was always, has always been in me, one day I want to see this woman. And so I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if I continue to live this life unto God, remain faithful to him because he said if we would remain faithful unto him, he would give us a crown of life that would never fade away. I know that if I get my work done while it's day, it's not the work that saved me. He saved me. Ah, hey, glory. God saved me. But I got to get work because the harvest is plenteous and the labors are few. But, Louis, we pray that God will send more laborers into the vineyard. But we want him to remember the labor that he called or chose us for or called and chose us for. Yeah, we want to get our work done. And so I'm so grateful unto Almighty God this morning. Look, I have... uh, Dr. Ponsetti, and I want to see if he is ready. Uh, (laughs) Hallelujah, hallelujah. Okay, listen, we're going to one dedication here. I'm going to dedicate this one over to my Christian brothers and sisters over on LinkedIn. And uh, God bless you this morning. I thank God for all of the likes and the looks and everything, the messages. I thank God for you. So I want to play this one for you this morning.
called a code and they come running in. I was above my body. I could see them doing chest compressions. I could see them, all the nurses around. I could smell the most beautiful flowers I've ever smelled. And then I heard music. When I opened my eyes, I knew where I was. I knew I was in heaven. In 2019, Charlotte Holmes was having a routine checkup with her cardiologist when her blood pressure spiked to 234 over 134. My heart doctor said, you're not going home. We're gonna put you in the hospital. We've gotta get that blood pressure down. It's got to come down. You're in, a, you're in a, having another stroke or you're gonna have a heart attack. They put me in a room and started an IV just to you know, try to get that blood pressure down. Charlotte's husband, Danny, stayed with her while the hospital staff tended to her. Immediately, you know, they call this code and they everybody started rushing in they just started working on her and my feelings was you know i thought well i'm wondering if i'm even going to be able to bring her home charlotte began describing things to danny she started talking about the flowers well i looked around and i knew there was no flowers in that room that's when i knew she was not in this world when that was going on charlotte's heart stopped for the next 11 minutes she was clinically dead I was above my body. I could see Danny standing in the corner. He had backed up. I could see them, all the nurses around. Then I opened my eyes. I looked around at the beauty. I could see the trees. I could see the grass. And everything was swaying with the music. Because everything in heaven worships God. I can't convey to you what heaven looked like because it's so above what we can even imagine a million times. Charlotte says she was led into heaven by angels. There's no fear. It's, it's like pure joy. When the angels takes over, there's no fear. When you're going home, it's pure joy. She says she then began to recognize deceased family members. I seen my mom. I seen my dad. I seen my sister. I seen family members standing behind seen saints of old. See, they didn't look old. They didn't look sick. None of them wore glasses. They looked like they were in their 30s. But yet it says in the scriptures, we will be known as we were known. I knew them. There, in their new bodies, they looked wonderful. 
What Charlotte saw after that, however, shocked her. Standing behind my mom and dad was a light so bright. I couldn't look upon it. I mean, it was so bright. But I knew, I knew it was my Heavenly Father. I seen a toddler. And that toddler, I couldn't understand. And I can remember thinking, who is this? And I heard my father say to me, my Heavenly Father say to me, it's your child. Um, I lost that child. I was five and a half months pregnant. I can remember them holding the baby up and saying, Charlotte, it's a boy. Then he was gone. So when I seen this toddler, I said, God, how is that possible? He says, I continue to grow in heaven, but there's no time. It's eternity. So 48 years, and here my child, our child, is a toddler. Then God chose to show her one more thing. God took me to the edge of hell. And I looked down, and the smell, and then rotten flesh. That's what it smelled like, and, and scream. After seeing the beauty of heaven, the contrast of seeing hell is almost unbearable. And he says, I show you this to tell you. If some of them do not change their ways, this is where they shall reside. I heard my father say, you have time to go back and share. As quickly as she had gone to heaven, Charlotte's spirit came back. I felt myself being drawn into my body. I felt the pain where I hadn't felt pain. I felt the sorrow. Danny said that they come running in and they, your eye blinks. And he said, I knew then I was going to get to bring you home. Charlotte made a full recovery and was released from the hospital after two weeks. She has been sharing her story since then in public appearances and with everyone she comes in contact with. People need hope. They want to know that there really is something out there. They want to know that everything's okay. I have been privileged to bring people to Christ, as he asked me to do. All the authority that he had, he has given to us in the name of Jesus Christ. Not because of who we are. God promises. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you. But he's gone to prepare us a place. Heaven is more than you can imagine. I can look you square in the eye and tell you for sure, heaven is real. Hallelujah. What a wonderful, quick testimony. I just love it. I love it. I love it. And I do believe it. I do believe it. I've had some wonderful experiences myself and my daughter, the daughter that I last, I mean, lost last September. She and I, we we had a somewhat similar um, encounter, I'm going to call it. But what it was, hers was different. I love cooking. She loved singing. It had to do with singing. Mine had to do with cooking. Yeah, God is real. But we have to make him real in our lives. We have to allow him to be the God of our lives. Because without him, we can't do nothing. Sometimes people are fighting and struggling to get something done. And God is not allowing it because it won't work together for your good. I'm talking about the believers this morning, the Christians, the saints of God. No need to war over it. Let it go. Just let it go. Because if God be for you, 
He's more than the whole world against you. He'll bring it to pass. Many things I wanted to do, I didn't really have to do a lot. All I had to simply have is faith in God and believe that it was his will. Yeah, and I didn't hang on. I held on to his word and walked accordingly, and God blessed me. Yeah, even Jesus in the morning, look, 12 years. That's God. That is not Barbara. Yeah, no way I could have done it on my own. Too many distractions, too many things was happening in my life. Yeah, going to school. Uh, later on, the daughter passed. The, the children, the grandchildren, all kind of traveling, all kind of stuff. But yet God kept me faithful right here every morning, 7 a.m., Eastern Standard Time. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. So listen, we have Dr. Pacetti coming in, and uh, I'm going to open the mic to him this morning. Good morning, Dr. Pacetti. God bless you. How are you? Good morning, Barbara. I think you should be called Dr. Barbara Pittman. After 12 <laughs> years of studying radio, you're more than qualified. Why, thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Listen, I'm going to turn the mic over to you. I know you're doing a wonderful work, and uh, we would like to hear about the work that you're doing and uh, how things are progressing for you. Just just, just talk to us this morning a little bit. I'm, I'm going to give you two pieces. I'm going okay. to give you the most important work of my life, and then I'll tell you about the work that I'm doing in the Lord's business. But I'm going to read. I'm going to read something my wife just gave me two days ago, okay. when we celebrated our 60th wedding anniversary. Congratulations! Woo, Louis. And she and she wrote, "I can't believe it's been 60 years, and I and I love you more than ever today. The vows we made and kept, and have kept us together through difficult times. We have been blessed beyond measure with the riches." that really count our family. I thank God that he has taught us how to love each other selflessly with kindness, compassion, and unlimited grace. I look forward to the time we have left to enriching our marriage and then being a model of real, lasting love. And here's what I said back to her. Now, we, we wrote these long before we knew what they were. I said to my beautiful wife, Hilda Josephine Rodero of Ponsetti, when we get to the end of our lives together, the houses we had, the cars we drove, the things we possessed won't matter. What we matter is that I had you and you had me. Thank you for always being there for me to the end. If I could turn back the clock, I'd find you sooner and love you longer and better. I love you from the one who needs you most. That's uh, That was our, our wedding confessions. And uh, our kids threw us a, a, a surprise party. We, we thought we were going out to supper, and all of our friends showed up. We were in a big hall with all of our friends. I say that because that is the most important part of the work of any pastor or leader or radio personality is your family number one and most important. I teach a class and I've, I've taught it in India and in Brazil and Mexico and Honduras and Nicaragua and the Dominican Republic 
many countries in Europe on marriage, and I only teach it to pastoral couples because pastoral couples have a tendency, if, he, if he's a good pastor, he's going to be spending a lot of time with his people. Every bit of time that you spend away, you're, you're robbing your family of. So you got to be very careful to balance that time. And I encourage every every single pastor or leader or or just a believer, believe that God wants you to have a good marriage. That's the most important thing that we have today. I also do ministry overseas a lot. So I have to travel. You know, I'll, I'll travel for a week or two weeks. And when I do that, uh, oh, about 20 years ago, I wrote a book called Love is a Hunger Designed by God. And it's a marriage conference that I I do in these places. And while I was teaching these these courses, God brought a conviction to me that I was stealing time from my wife. And when I when I came back, uh, I told her that I had made a covenant, not with her, but I made a covenant with God that I would tithe every Saturday to Hilda. Uh, that way she, you know, she's not the one enforcing it, God is. And I have been faithful to that. As a matter of fact, when I'm out of the country, what I do is I give her two for ones. I might come back and then it's tithe on Monday and Tuesday or Wednesday and Thursday plus the Saturday. Uh, it has been fantastic to see that flame of love just constantly burning. It is, uh, you know, in, in Honduras, for instance, I work I work with a group called SOIL, S-O-I-L, and it's Serving Others in Love. And we have, uh, in Honduras, we, we work with 150 churches. We've got a, a home for girls that have been trafficked. In that home, just recently, we rescued three girls. The father, and they lived in the capital of Honduras, and the father called four daughters, a 22-year-old, an 18-year-old, a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old into the into the bedroom. And then he called the wife in and he stripped her down and he raped her violently in front of the girls. He beat her, he, he, uh, he wounded her, and she ran out of the room bleeding. And then he took the 22-year-old and did the same thing. And, and she ran out. And the 18-year-old grabbed a knife and said, if you touch me, we both died today, and he ran out. Well, she was she was concerned for her 14-year-old and 12-year-old sisters, but she had to run. She had to go get help. So she told him to hide and, and don't come out even if he calls. Just hide. And she went seven hours to her aunt's house. And while there, a, a lady pastor by the name of Harriet, uh, Pastor Harriet was visiting a member of her church. And as she's visiting, uh, the lady got up to get her a cup of coffee in the kitchen, and she's sitting in the living room, and she looks over, and in the dining room, this young lady is weeping, visibly shaken. So she gets up, being a pastor, and she goes, and the and the girl tells her everything. Right there, she picks up her phone, she calls a pastor in the capital, 
and he goes by the house. The father's not there. The two girls come out, and they bring her seven hours to the place that she's at. I won't tell you the exact place, but I can send you a picture, Barbara, if you'd like to see it. Okay. The, uh, the beauty of it is that now the three girls, the 18, the 14, and 12, have a place to live for as long as they need. Uh, they're they're going to be going to school, all, all of that furnished and no cost to them. That's what we do. Room and board and, you know, they, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I just did a marriage retreat in that, in that country about, about a, three hours away from the, the home. And I had eight pastors, two from out of state and, and six from, from where I live in Florida. And one of one of those couples was the mayor of our city, and we went we went to Honduras, and I had invited eight pastors down there, plus the governor of the state that we were at, and three other mayors down there. That the, the governor and the three mayors was the hook to get my mayor over there. <laughs> you know, sometimes you have to have a hook to catch a good bait, right? Yes. <laughs> but we 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 go we go. To, after after the marriage retreat, and it was phenomenal, uh, the the love that just permeated out of that. But I took the I took all the folks that had come with me to the to the girls' home. It's called Shalom House, and it's a two story. Uh, we have twenty thirty girls there at any time, and the first floor is kind of their recreation area and kind of a, a meeting hall and. You know, it's a it's a place that people can come in without going into the private part, which is on the second floor where they have the their personal living quarters. And the girls knew we were coming, and we're we're all downstairs, and and the mayor is just Google-eyed. He's just looking at everything because we had just remodeled the place uh, the year before. I had taken a, a group of four surgeons and seven nurses to the hospital, and they did 57 hysterectomies of ladies in Honduras in their over 50. Most of them were over, well over 50. The oldest one was 67. And the local doctors would not do hysterectomies because these ladies did not have money or insurance. So the hospital, uh, which I've we've done this before, just told them they couldn't do any surgeries at all. And they gave us the hospital for 10 days, and our surgeons just did marvelous. When we were leaving after that, that mission trip of medical missions, uh, took the doctors to the Shalom home on the way out to the airport, and they fell in love with it, and they supplied resources to remodel the place because it was getting a little dated. Uh, the floors were bad, and they were columns that needed to be replaced and windows that needed to replace. You know how that goes when a building has been around for 30 years. And, you know, it was, it was beautiful. The, the, the floor, the, the downstairs is great, but, you know, I wasn't going to go upstairs. We, we, we tried to maintain their privacy, but the girls came down and they were so excited that we were there visiting. They said, come on up. We knew you were coming and we've cleaned everything up. We're, you're, you're not going to embarrass us. So I, I stayed down because I was talking to some of the other people. But I see the mayor and his wife walk up the stairs. <laughs> and Barbara, 
Uh, I told this story in front of him the other day, and he just blushed. Uh, <laughs> ten minutes later, he's walking down the stairs, and he is crying like a little girl. <laughs> he was so impacted. Uh, you know, God God treasures youngsters. Yes. And uh, we, we, we need to care, take care of that. You know, the, the amazing thing to me is there is only one race. God created one one race. Adam and Eve was the mm-hmm. only race that God created. Mm-hmm. And he gave he gave that race that he created in Central Africa. And we know where they were created because the oldest human remains are there in the Sahara. He gave he gave some he gave us all the same the same thing, but he pigmentation was there for the protection of the skin. The places where it's darkest is where the, the sun is the hottest. I've traveled most of the world, and if, if you go to, if you go to uh, uh, Panama or Honduras or those areas, you'll find dark-skinned Hispanics, some darker than most African-Americans. Mm-hmm. Now, in Honduras, there's, there's, a, there's a, a group of you know, folks that, I believe uh, the bravest people in the world. They were runaway African slaves from the British, not from the the, the French had them in in Haiti, but the British had them out in the far eastern uh, sea uh, ocean. And uh, in those islands, those people broke away from the British in canoes, and they they went in those canoes for over a thousand miles, and they ended up in Guatemala, and Belize, and Honduras. And I I visited some of those areas in, in Honduras. Uh, they're they're as black as you can get, and they're the the just brave brave individuals. They're mostly involved in fishing and so forth, but they're beautiful people. And they they speak their own language and won't teach it to anybody, and that's good. Uh, But they're beautiful people, and they're my brothers and sisters. And we need to love one another. That's what Jesus told us. You know, when I go into a restaurant or something, I look around for the one one another's, and they're all one another's. So love, love, love every person that you come in contact with because he's a creation of the living God. She's a creation of the living God. Mm-hmm. We need to protect them. We need to love them. We need to have compassion for them. Yeah. So thank you very much, Barbara. It's been a pleasure to be with you. And congratulations again on your 12th anniversary as a host Man. of this program. Thank you so much, Dr. Pacetti. You really excited me when you talked about those 60 years and uh, you read the uh letter I want to say from your wife and when you decided to give tithe to her that was a wonderful thing I believe that's what God is calling in marriage many times ministers pastors evangelists all these people missionaries they get so wrapped up into what they feel is the work of God they neglect their families they they, they neglect the very thing that's holding it together if it's a husband and he's neglecting his wife, 
she keep the family together by the things she do at home. And uh, if that's neglected, eventually it's going to fall apart. But I learned this the over di- the years. The divorce rate people- amongst the Go divorce ahead. rate amongst leaders and pastors, uh, whether you're the the you know the the leader of a big corporation, or you're the leader of a of a of a church. If you're a good pastor, you might start out with 50 people, but in five or six, ten years, you might have 5,000 people. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. You, you can't manage that. You have got to be serious about coordinating so others can help you manage it. Otherwise, it's, you're taking you're stealing time from your family. Yes, I think you're doing too much. If you ask me, uh, I heard Mike Murdoch say one day this man told him he was called to everybody, you know, to be a blessing to everybody. And Mike told him, say, oh, Jesus Jr., that just tickled me so good because (laughs) we are called to a certain work. And God is going to send us the way of the people and send the people our way that he either called or chose us to help. And when we overdo that thing, we're going to lose some stuff and break up some stuff because we're in error. You know, we're not doing what it continues to take to build the main things that we need. You need your marriage. Husbands, you need your exactly. wife. Wives, you need your husbands. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to learn to love longer and better. Yes. Because he said this. Well, you're, doing, you're doing a great job. And uh, thank, you. thank you very much. Yes. And anything that I can do for you, please don't hesitate to call. I will. I will. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much. And I'll get back with you. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. God bless you, Dr. Pacetti. I just knew it. I just knew it. I just knew from just um, reading over on LinkedIn and seeing stuff. I just knew he was just a good fit. I just knew it. So, look, this is what I want to share to this morning. No matter what you're going through, it's only temporary. Listen, it don't last always. Now, if it's a thorn in your side like Apostle Paul had, I can't say. But if you're going through a trial, go through it in Jesus. Go through it seeking him for guidance. Go through it asking for the lesson out of the trial. Yeah, because whatever you're going through, it's going to change. With time, everything changes. So if you're going through a marital problem or you haven't given your spouse enough, you know, attention or your children or the job is beating you up. Whatever you're going through, know it's only temporary. Yeah, we look to God. He's the author and finisher of our faith. And we're holding on to his unchangeable hand. He won't change. He was that way yesterday. He's that way today. And he will be that way forevermore. I thought it was just beautiful. 60 years of marriage, my goodness, my goodness, (laughs) and a beautiful, good, wholesome marriage. You know, he still has respect for his wife. His wife still has respect for him. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Which brings me to this right here today. I was uh, so hoping for some of the... uh, other faithful listeners to be with us today because I wanted to share this 
uh, this morning. We heard about people going to hell and going to heaven, and I wanted to share that this morning because I want us to be reminded that God is real. Heaven and hell is real. He sent his son back to prepare a place for us. Nothing slips up on him. He already know about your situation. He know what you're hiding. He know what you're not hiding. He know all about it. So I thought it was just good to just share that this morning. And then for Dr. Pacetti to come and talk about his 60-year marriage, already had this waiting. And for me, that just blessed me real good and put icing on the cake. I told Lou, I said, 60? That's a good thing. Make me want to try. I don't think so, though. <laughs> only God. Only God. All right, so let's take a listen at this wonderful message this morning. Bless you and, uh, and will help you. Amen. Amen. Sometimes the Lord had to mess up my plans. Yes. He had to mess up my plans. Yes. You got to give him praise. Now, I want you to go tonight to 1 John chapter 2 and 11. It sounds a little antithetical to what we're doing on Ephesians 3. In fact, I just want to read a few passages that surround love and the contradiction of love, and, and then we'll go from there. In, in, in 1 John 20, 11, 1 John chapter 2, verse 11, rather, he says, He that hateth his brother, verse 10, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. And there is not occasion of stumbling in him, but he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that the darkness hath blinded his eyes. I would like Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. And uh, I'm going to talk most of the night. Uh, not, you know, you've, you've been preached to all the time. I can hoop, I can turn a hoop on and off any time. Uh, <clears throat> some people say, well, that's the anointing. No, that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with the might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, length, depth. I was reading and I lost it. Depth and height. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. I want to talk a little bit about the power of love. The power of love. Now, Charles Wesley says, God only knows the love of God, or that it now was shed abroad in this poor stony heart. Unquote. I will open by saying something about love that is essential to our relationship to God and our relationship to each other. Because at the end of the day, Everything we're about is relationship. Relationship to God. Relationship to self. And then relationship to others. 
And that's all this marvelous walk with God is about, is relationship. I really don't understand who I am or get any insight as the kind of person I am until I meet God. It is in my meeting with God that he gives me a revelatory experience of not only who he is, but who I am. It's, it's very critical to my walk. Because unless I become good for myself, then I can't be good for anybody else. And so constantly, my walk has been one of disruption. My walk have been, has been one when I came into this world. My walk has been one of confusion. And the experiences that I went through have left me with some issues or some stains that unless I have a meeting with God and I bring, He brings these issues to forbear in my consciousness, then I have now become a bundle of my past experiences and I bring all of my negatives to the table thinking that I am quite alright because the devil is a deceiver. Now, now understand this, that whenever you're in the hand of a master, the master who molds and shapes you is not putting you through experiences without a purpose. But he wants you to go through these experiences, and as you go through these experiences, it leaves an indelible stain on who you are and who you become unless you run into a counterforce. You see, when I meet the Lord, he becomes the counterforce, and he begins to put things in me that offset and contradicts those things that I received as I was walking outside of God. Because Satan is trying to mold and shape me from without. And God has to come now and restructure me from within. In order to do that now, he has to bring the spiritual into the cognitive. He has to deal with my mind. Because there is no way for me to change my behavior unless I change my mind. Uh, I don't have the time to deal uh, with preachers. We've got a few preachers here, but uh, I don't deal the time with the whole concept of psychological preaching as opposed to philosophical preaching. Because philosophical preaching, we have done it for years in philosophical teaching, and we have established what we believe, and we've tried to convince people to believe what we believe, and this has led us to a plethora of denominational attitudes. Uh, if you notice, ministries that are blossoming and growing, ministries that are impacting, do not deal philosophically, but psychologically. Because after you have been baptized and after you have found the Holy Spirit or received the Holy Spirit in a philosophical presentation, depending on what that denomination believes, you now have to grow. And in order to grow, you have to change your mind. 
And this is why you're gathered here in this setting, not because we're trying to get saved, or because we want to hear some philosophical position as to whether or not we are saved. We're here because we need a mind change. We need therapy in this session to offset the issues that we brought into our relationships so that we can see clearly who we are because until I know who I am, I sure can't deal with who you are. Oh, I feel it here. Uh, can I take my time? Can I uh, get vision? You see, it's, it's critical now because the agape of God is, is breathed into man. And when God breathed into me, his agape, I used to think and argue the difference between agape and eros. And the late Bishop Charles uh, Watkins, uh, he and I sat down discussed it when I was quite young. And he said to me, well, you were making such a monster out of eros. But remember now, it's God who breathed love into man. And when God breathed love into the man, then he had to have an erotic love because there's a dimension to love now that is not in God. Because see, God has no need to procreate. God has no need for physical association or relationship. When God dealt with Adam, God dealt with Adam as a spirit. He walked in the cool of the evening. And yet God analyzed the man as his psychologist under the sun. And he looked at the man and said, it's not good for man to be alone. Now, how could he be alone if God was there? I mean, you told me all I need is God. But God said it's not good for the man to be alone. I mean, uh, there were two cows, there were two donkeys, there were two giraffes, there were two roaches, there were two rats, uh, there were two lions, there were two tigers. I mean, it wouldn't take Adam long to figure out uh, there's two of everything but just one of me. Uh-huh. So God, God, after he analyzed him, he became his porter, led him into his hospital. He became his nurse, laid him out on the bed. He became his uh, anesthesiologist, put him to sleep. He became his uh, bone surgeon, cut him open with the surgical instruments of his hand. Uh, became a human construct. God, God, after he analyzed him, he became his porter, led him into his hospital. He became his nurse, laid him out on the bed. He became his uh, anesthesiologist, put him to sleep. He became his uh, bone surgeon, cut him open with the surgical instruments of his hand. Uh, became a human constructor and made a woman. Then he became the woman's father, brought him to the man, became the preacher, said, who giveth this woman to be the bride of this man? It is God then who introduces the woman. Now, notice now, God understanding the man to the point where he seeks to please him in an area where God won't go. Uh, I wish I could understand this thing. Uh, maybe I'm dyslectic. Maybe I'm missing it. Uh, God is the only one I know who will give you a gift, sir, 
that is so overwhelming that it will challenge your love for him. I think you need to absorb that for a minute. I don't give gifts like that. <laughs> the reason is my relationship with God is spiritual. Not physical. It's not even emotional. It's not even intellectual. I process a lot of things through my mind. I express a lot of things through my emotion. But my relationship with God is spiritual. Now, I know you single folk on this side, because I saw most of you over here. We, we say, well, the, the Lord is my husband. And the Lord is my wife. Now, if you mean he will keep you, then that's what we're talking about. But we certainly don't mean he's going to crawl up in the bed with us and lay some thigh on us in the middle of the night. Now the devil is a liar, he ain't. What he does now, oh I feel this thing here, I, I need some help. What he does is he realizes our need for something he's not going to do. Oh I wish you this. And our proclivity and propensity for what he has provided us now challenges us in our relationship with him. Uh, uh, my dear brother, uh, come here, come here, bring your wife, which is, uh, if, if that's your wife, I hope I'm not prophesying. <laughs> I saw the connection, I'm just teasing. Now, come my dear, come here. Now, if you notice God, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, now, you be God now. Okay. No, no, you stay here. Okay. Be better. Okay. Now, you can understand God now. When God is in charge, He provides for everything that He umbrellas. Now, if you notice this, the scene, now, brothers, this is for you and I. When the woman came, everything was in place. When God made the man, everything that he needed was in place except the woman. So he was in a situation where God had to provide something else for him. But when God provided her, he needed not to provide anything else for her because everything had already been provided. Uh, I want you to see this now. So the dignity and respect that the man has is in his ability to provide what God has given. Uh, don't miss me now. Now, now, now stay, stay with me. I know it gets tight in a society where everybody's got to work for us to have something in the house. But now, uh, now let's deal with it philosophically and get the right psychological point of view and then we'll go on and, and make the adjustments on that variation. But now we cannot ignore the reality of what God plans uh, because of what happens in the world. What we've got to do is change our minds about what happens in the world and do it the way God plans. Uh, I wish you understand. Now, 
Now we're doing fine so far because God made man in his own image. He created you in the image. So that means you represent God. Uh, yes, in the world. And, and you are there to dominate. In charge. All right, now. But God gives you a woman because he loves you to the point where he is not going to be that much God to you and give you that less companion. You, you see, you, you understand now. He makes you help me, which means someone on your level. That's what a help me is in the Hebrew. It's someone on your level. And here's why. Because spiritually, God is above you. And the animals are below you. So you can't relate to it. Now look at your neighbor and say, a pet just won't do. All right, good. All right. You see, uh, you can't relate to no dog and no cat and no monkey. You know, you know no, no, no. That, that's all right. You can get 20 of them. They won't make one woman. So now, God is in front. You stay there now. I'm God now. So now, you follow me, she's following you. You, you follow, okay? Because I'm supplying stuff. I put you here to reflect my glory. And my glory is not only masculine, it's feminine. Uh, see, see, see. see, my glory is not complete in masculinity. Because I'm not only a father, I'm a mother. That's God. Oh, I want you. So now, I've provided everything. You follow me. Now, the devil came along and messed with Eve. Eve was deceived. But Adam made a choice. Adam chose, turn around, everybody, to follow Eve. Now, now we started with God in charge, but man made a switch and decided to follow the woman, and God don't follow nobody. So what God did was, he cut him off. Thank you. Thank you. He cut him off. But God already told you, I'm a jealous God, and jealous folk cut you off when you won't do what they want you. So since man decided to choose a woman over God and put God in the back, God says, okay now, you take care of it. Because had you followed me, I was taking care of both of you. See, the thing that has made marriage so difficult is when God is absent. Because when God is absent, who takes care of the emotions? Who takes care of the disposition? Who takes care of keep supplying love to overcome the things that you got to go through? You can't have a marriage without God. Because it takes God to keep supplying everything that's lacking in the house. Oh, I feel this thing here. Uh, I don't know how transparent I ought to be here tonight. So when I meet God, 
brings me into the understanding of who I am. And now that I know who I am, I have the capacity to receive the gift that he's going to give. Because without knowing who I am, I don't have the capacity to deal with anyone else. Uh, there are times in relationships where you say to someone, oh, I, I, you're in the conversation, I'm like this. Yes, I know that. I'm, I'm like this. Oh, I'm not that kind of person. And, uh, and you believe that. It wasn't that you were lying. You actually believe that. It was that I'm, I'm like this. Oh, I'm not that kind of person. And, uh, and you believe that. It wasn't that you were lying. You actually believe that. It was just a wonderful model in your mind. It was just a wonderful way to be. It was quite impressive to present that uh, statement. But you didn't know yourself well enough to know how you would react in certain situations. So it so happens that when the individual is finding it out about you, that's when you're finding it out about yourself. Because now I have to get to know God in order to know myself. Because I'm about now to go social with my spiritual relationship. And as seen by Eve and Adam, this other person is going to put a demand on my relationship with God. Oh, that's how we all got in this situation. Because of Adam, Eve, and God in the garden, and Eve being introduced by God. Mm -hmm. You remember when they all fell out? They all fell out. And, um, and, and the woman said to God, she said, the serpent that you made. <laughs> See, now, Lord, if you didn't make that serpent, the serpent you made got me doing that. That's what she said. And then Adam said to God, the woman you gave me got me doing this. God cursed them all. <laughs> he, he cursed all of them. Just... Now understanding the, 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 the demand, because God is not at all bothered by you having a mate. He is not jealous. He is not at all bothered. Why? Because he's the one who instituted. And he was the one who gave you such a gift that it challenges your relationship with him. But God has always done that. God made Lucifer so good looking, he looked at himself and went crazy. I mean, understand the gifts of God. When God blesses you with wealth, it challenges your relationship with Him. When God blesses you with anything, His gifts are so 
perfectly fitted for you that if you're not careful you'll go for the gift and not the giver you got to remember that when God puts somebody in your life every night you crawl up in bed with them you ought to lift your head to heaven and say Lord I thank you for this right here that you have blessed me with I give you glory and anybody you can't praise God for you shouldn't be with I feel it in here. Oh, you can't go. Oh, oh you, 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 you dating somebody, dragging you places where God can't go. You can't date somebody who's taking you somewhere where the Lord won't go. So we're going to the club tonight. Uh, well, Lord, can you go? If he can't go, I ain't going either. Because I'm only need the Lord. To help straighten out whatever goes on between us. I can't leave him out. Uh, well, well, let's put it this way. If you got that for yourself, then you can leave him out. But if he got it for you, you're going to need him to help you keep it together. So you can't afford to be where God can't go. You can't afford to have a conversation he can't listen to. You can't afford to have an attitude he can't move in. Because he is the one that's going to supply whatever you need. You can't leave him out. Ooh, I feel it here. Uh, now, i show you why you need him. Because agape has to control your eros. Your eros can't control your agape now. Because that love, that, that physical, heterosexual, intense, gotta have it kind of love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a drive that challenges spirituality. Let me show you how intense it is. Show you how intense. You're all grown. Ah, it's intense. He says to us, says, now when you fast now, get consent. And he says, now, and fast for a little while. Get your little fast in. And then come back together quickly. Lest Satan tempt you. And let's rid ourselves of the Bible words for a minute, uh, the, the old English, so I can give you the sense. Lest Satan tempt you because y'all ain't been together sexually. Now, if that isn't ambiguous, I hate to say it seems real contradictory, but let's say ambiguous. This is a milder word. Now, what am I fasting for? For strength, for spiritual strength, 
Yes? To get closer to God. To have discipline. That's why I'm fasting. To control myself. To be able to say no. And it seemed like the longer I fast, the more strength I have to stay away. Come on, talk to me. Come on. How can I just come out of the fast and be weaker? Right, maybe, maybe I see things from the wrong side. I'm fasting to get strong. Yes? And yet still, he's rushing me back to my partner. Because while I'm fasting, the devil's plotting to catch me in a state that fasting caused me to be in. You see, what you're dealing with now is the gift of God and the drive and the appetency He gives you for His gift that challenges your relationship with Him even when you seek to be closer to Him. Oh, alright, you don't believe me, you don't believe me. To avoid fornication, let every man pray. Ain't that what it said? Yeah, y'all, y'all better read your Bibles now. <laughs> to avoid fornication, let every man stay in church. To avoid fornication, read three chapters of the Old Testament, four in the New Testament. Quote as many Psalms as you can, and you'll be free. From fornication. Didn't say that. He said to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. The only security. From fornication. Is to have your own wife. So what you have now is a systemic problem. From fornication is to have your own wife. So what you have now is a systemic problem because it's not good to be alone. And yet God has fitted you with what it takes to enjoy a mate. And this mate relationship can be so intense that it threatens one's walk with God. Who? So when there's a part of you that has such an enormous demand for something that you can't find, and God gives you that gift, then you can't leave God out. Because I can't manage myself without God. So how can I manage something?
somebody else without God. See, singleness many times is not a punishment. It's preparation. Oh, I think I missed you. And rejection is often direction. Oh, don't let me miss you here. Don't let me miss you. Don't let me miss you. Uh, you know, because if God, if that ain't the one, just put a whole lot of rejection up in here. Because oftentimes I don't know what I need to have. And if God lets what I shouldn't have reject me, I ought to be giving God the praise instead of crying myself to death. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. All right, all right. Now, 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 I need God. And I'm trying to establish the point that you've got to have God here now. And here's why. Because of sin... It's not a perfect world. I had a couple of my members. Uh, one member, uh, he was poor, grew up in a trailer. He's now worth about $20, 25000000 million. And his mother and father broke up. He was marrying a young lady, Harvard graduate, I mean bad, smart, everything he ever wanted in a woman. But he grew up Pentecostal, didn't have the affection. I mean, I remember in New York, Trump Tower, you know, when sitting down talking and and uh, a couple came in. He came in with his friend and the couple and his wife-to-be. And, of course, I was the only one by myself sitting over in the chair. <laughs> so we're having this discussion, a marvelous discussion. I look up, and he's sitting on the couch over here with me. The other guy's sitting there with his, his wife-to-be and his wife-to-be sitting over there by herself. You know, and I'm, you know, I'm, you know, spying it out. Well, when we had the discussion, which you know we had to have, he grew up in a, in, in a, in a, in a church situation, you know, where sententious, pretentious, ungodly holiness. where there was no expression of affection. So I tell you, we've got to meet God. Because in the name of God, He's raised in a way where He sees no kissing, there is no smooching, there is no mother touching father leaning against each other watching TV. There's always this separation because we don't want the children to see. We don't want the children to grow up. I never knew my mother and father were lovers. I didn't. If I knew, I wouldn't have broken the room like I did. See, you can teach your children how to be mothers and fathers by how you operate within the home towards them. But you teach them how to be wives and husbands by how you interact with your mate in their presence. And a lot of fellas failed to get the understanding of affection 
You see, and all, you see, you see, 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 it's a monster because everything comes on when they're turned on. But a man is turned on physically, whereas a woman's turned on psychologically. So if you don't caress her mind, then she don't want you to touch her body. See, but in order to understand that without me telling you tonight, you could have grown into that if it was expressed in your home. He didn't have that. Her mother and father are married over 50 years. His broke up. It's not a perfect world. So I'm on the phone with both of them and the argument now is prenup. Says I want a prenup. Says I don't want anything that we make together. I just want what I bring in in case we break up. I just want this 20 million. That's it. I ain't asking for no. just, just. If we make 40, 50 million, you can have half of that. But these 20 right here, <laughs> these 20, I ask him, I said, I ask, I ask him, do you love her unconditionally? He said, yes. I said, if you do, then the prenup don't matter. I said to her, do you love him unconditionally? She said, no. I said, what would be the conditions that you would leave? If he hit me, or if he has another woman? Not a perfect world. He may do it. Shouldn't do it. So I said, that sounds like prenup to me. <laughs> it's not a... See, the point I'm making is, it's not a perfect world. And he's hedging his bet for what he may or may not do. And since she doesn't love him unconditionally, now we got issues here. See what I'm saying? Now, it means then, because it's not a perfect world, that the character and the extent of the lover is going to always be tested by the object of love. Oh, Jesus. Because the measure of love, the measure of love in its greatest presentation is actually how much it can sacrifice. All right, now, this, this is why I need God now, brethren. I need God. And I already failed him one time, and I sure ain't going to fail him again. I already messed up one time. I messed up one time. Maybe I ought to go back and fix it, but I, I messed up one time. <laughs> because love is no greater than the character that loves. 
Now when you start talking about teaching me how to love you, now we've got to ask a question. I was in, uh, in, uh, in Jean-Georges uh, in, in New York once, and I was with my sister Grace, and we started talking about love. And the issue now was she talked about having broken up with uh, uh, Jean-Claude, no, Jean-Paul. Uh, no, Jean, Jean, Jean. I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm joking, Father, forgive me. Uh, and she said, the, the, Jean, I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm joking, Father, forgive me. Uh, and she said, the, the question was, do you love someone the way they want you to love them? Or do you love how you can love? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now we, 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 we're getting off, we're going into it now. Because in order to love the object, you have to have the capacity to love the object until the object can love you back. You see, you see, you see, 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 many times we choose an object to love. But because we don't know our capacity to love. See, baby, you need somebody easier to love, see. You done took on, you done took on, you got to ask, what level does it take to love you? Because the lover cannot love outside of his or her ability to love. And there is a demand that the object will make on you, oh God, that will test your capacity. How much is in there? Because if you decide to be with me, we're going to find out. Many people, and sisters, I'll give you a little clue to this now. Many men like relationships that are early. New, new. And they enjoy the relationship when it's new. Because something begins to change when demands show up. It was all right before there was a demand. But demands begin to test the character 
of the one who declares they love. Oh, you can love me to this point, but can you love me to this point? Can you love me to this point? Can you love me? So some relationships are growing. They're just waiting to destruct. Because the lover has been left far behind from the demand of the object of love. I need you to love me through not having affection as I was a child. Do you have the capacity to love me until I learn to be affectionate? Do you have the capacity to love me until I can buy you the things you'd like to have? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because a dog can't love no better than a dog love. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's incident. There's an incident. I won't tell you whose life it was in. But the person loved as much as they could. They loved as much as they could. When you stop to consider it after evaluating it and discussing it and talking about it, I said, man, you were loved as much as she could. She can't love no more than she loved you. But that's all she had. What is required to deal with you? She didn't have. Now, now, you know what my premise is for this little discussion. For God so loved the world. He gave His only begotten Son. See, if you decide, Lord, to love the world, you got to understand what you got to give. You see, you're deciding to love somebody, but you haven't decided the cost of loving that individual. And you run down the aisle with, I do, I do, I do, I do, I will, I will, I will. But have you stopped to bring your mind into what the demand is going to be to love this person that you chose? I hope I'm not missing you. I hope I'm here in Singapore. I'm not missing you. Because that love has to have enough power in it to be able to take the disabled emotionally, the disabled psychologically. And the sad part about it is your love has, it does not yet get the vision of what you love until oftentimes it's too late to back out. Because the question I will ask you now is, do I commit to you before 
I know you. <laughs> or do I know you before I commit? I commit to you before I know you? Or do I know you before I commit? Well, we've been going out for a year. It's been a lovely year. But now I got to know you. Ain't nobody going for that. Come on now. Ain't nobody going for that. Which means if we're not going for that, most of us are expecting commitment without knowledge. So I've decided to commit when my love doesn't know what it's got to go through. Oh, this is some scary business. This is some scary business. Because now it's 10 years into this thing. I, I, I was sitting the other day with my business partner. My business partner. A business partner. And... He's my lawyer, he's my, my Jewish lawyer, with business partners, all kind of stuff. And I'm sitting here now, and we have a $1,500 coach coaching us. Because certain times, he don't call me back. I got an extra phone. I got to make decisions. My son here got to make decisions about money. Apartments, buying this, what are we going to do with this? We starting this business. What's the protocol over here? And we're not communicating. So, boom, we got a business coach, $1,500 for a two-hour session to find out where we're breaking down in business. Only to find out, I heard myself saying, I remember when I was a little boy in Jamaica, a little boy in Jamaica dealing with issues of my childhood. Why went? Why, when he comes with his alpha dog disposition, and he sits talking to me like, like, like his decision is a decision that should be thought of, and then, so I don't call him back. Because I spent most of my childhood growing up and wanting to grow up so somebody wouldn't tell me what to do. Because, because they kept me under such heavy manners and they, they, they dictated everything I did. All I wanted to do was get grown so nobody could tell me what to do. And that's why I'm married today. It ain't got nothing to do with the union between us and the vows we made and all of that stuff. Because we loved each other. We were having a good time. But I, my character was messed up. You understand me? Over some childhood junk that it took 10 years into a marriage before it showed up. Uh, we should shout, we should help me. And then I was too immature to admit it was me who was the fault. And I'm putting everything on her. And piling up a lot of junk until one day I woke up with a ceiling full of junk over some issues that don't even relate to us being together. Mm -hmm. I hope you're following me now. 
That's why I thank God he sits down and he is the coach. Between everybody in a wife and husband, you need God to sit there as coach and say, now you heard what she said, now you give me an answer for what she just said. Speak to the issue. Don't just sit around and wait to talk. I wish you had You know, sometimes you're not listening. You're just waiting to talk. Are you finished yet? Are you finished yet? I have something to say, but are you finished yet? And then when she opens her mouth, she talks about something that ain't got nothing to do with what you just said. I wonder you hear me. She wasn't listening. She was waiting to talk. I, I, have you ever been in a situation where she, she says something? Then she run in the bedroom and shut the door. Oh, I'll read your mail, your food. She run to the bedroom, close the door. And you talking to the door. And when you walk away, you tired of talking to the door. She opened the door and shout something else at you and shut it up. You need a coach. Need the Holy Ghost. Need Jesus Christ. Because I got to have Jesus. Because something's going to surface that I never expected. And I need him to give me the debt. That's why certain people need to have gone through some stuff to deal with certain whole lot of you folk looking for some folk that's prissy, inexperienced, haven't been through something, to pull them up in your life. If she got a history, oh no. I wish I could talk to you. I can't talk to you. I need to get these brothers. See, sometimes a poor sister can't tell a man what she did in her past. And if he keep on asking you, he can't handle it. All right. It don't matter that you're saved now. to handle what you've been. Mm -hmm. And many of the times, the fellas who most can't handle what you've been are those who have left the most dead bodies along the road. Come on, come on. And because of that, he is such a complicated creature because he spent a lot of time juggling. I, 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 got, I, got, I got an awful task. I've been asked by the Essence Festival to come and to speak to 20,000 plus women. 
it's one thing if I were going to deal with sisters who were not achievers. And I say, now you don't need to be focusing on no man. You need to get about your purpose and your career. Let somebody catch you down the road. You got more to life than just relationship. Mm-hmm. But now what do you say? Come on. Ooh. To twenty thousand sisters who are all achieved yeah. and still ain't got nobody. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you now. Well, you have to have capacity to love the group that's out here now. There are more brothers in jail in the California system than in both university systems in California, private or public. Gay brothers are taking over the face of the earth. And if they're not gay, I don't know how to define this, they, they got some not gay, but down low. Mm-hmm. Now if they not down low, they married. And if they're not married, not gay, not down low, not in prison, they're polygamous. Mm. Why are you all looking at me like Alice in Wonderland? So now, what is a sister to do? Because if she falls in love with anybody in that group, she's going to have to have a capacity that is almost superhuman. Because if she isn't even dealing with that, she's dealing with people who have borderline that. Every one of those instances. You're going to deal with a man who has multiple friends. Women. Mm. And especially if you decide you want to go up the ladder about 10 or 15 steps. And now you're dealing with somebody powerful, rich and attractive. And everybody around you is trying to get there because the rest are gay, down low, prison, married. Are you following me? So now you're going to have to deal with the ego. Seems he's the cat's meow and the dog's bower. 
Now you're going to have to love him through all of his childish issues. And in order for you to do that, you're going to have to have God. Because you can't find it in you when your capacity is already limited in and of itself. Why? Because you've got to love him through your issues. You've got to love him through who left you. Well, everybody in here been left by somebody. I don't care what you are. And you had to get over being left. You've got to get over him looking like or she looking or behaving like the one you had. So now we're talking about the lover having the capacity to be so self-sacrificing that I can hang until you turn the corner. What manner of love and manliness is no greater love than a man laid down his life for his friend. And this is the challenge of love in marriage. Teach me how to love you. If you can learn. (laughs) That's why you have to have God. Because there are times when only God keeps you sane. God has to restore and become the source because it's not always coming requited. Because I hear you saying, I give out so much, I get so little back. Because you're looking for even Stephen. You're looking for reciprocity on the same level. But you might not have as much issues as you may. Come on now. Now the question is, do you have the capacity to become the savior of the one you love? Come on. Because some of us need a savior. Some of us need somebody who has been through enough to understand that their capacity has been broadened through their experiences. So that might be a challenge to sister over there, but this is not going to break me because I've been through enough crazy folk to deal with this other crazy man that God put in my life or I chose for myself. But you can't send somebody over here who haven't been through anything because some of us are too devious for that. We've been too mixed up for that. We've got too many issues for that. So if you're coming, you've got to come with more than a body, honey. You've got to come with a mind and a relationship with God that says, I can conquer this mountain too. Oh, I wish I could shout on this one just a little bit. Because i got a source from God. And he's got to give me the strength to deal with this. Now can I take it further? It's not always sin. Because two lovers never love the same. Ooh, I feel it here. They never love the same. And, and, and two people don't have the same significance for the same thing. Mm-hmm. So what's real important to you 
may mean absolutely nothing to me. Now, do you have the capacity? Because when you've been through something, as a good friend of mine, he told me, he said, he said, he said Jones, I bought my wife a mink coat, man, for Christmas. It's the baddest thing, and I know what he, what he can buy. It's bad. And he said, she pulled the thing out the box, she screamed, she threw the coat on the, on the floor, and went for the card. prejudice say that they love black folk and they love each other ethnically. He said, we can settle that real easy. Could somebody marry your daughter that was a different ethnic quality? So that'll settle it. They work together all that, but there ain't no marriage. We ain't arguing about that. The bed. And the whole lot go on in bed because men are really, they're real fragile with their sexuality. They boast of escapades and adventures and journeys they ain't never been on. Y'all grown, eh? And technique has become the signature of relationship technique 
I wonder if you ever read Rollo May, Rollo May, Love and Well, one of the greatest psychologists of the 20th century. But in order to have great technique, you've got to feel less. <laughs> I ain't going there, that's a, I ain't going to have to get too deep for you now. So in the middle of insecurity, he begins to wonder how much experience his mate has had. And I sit and I hear them when they come and they get this real shaky woman good to him and all that. And he's worried about what she did 20 years ago. I tell him it's under the blood. Whatever she did. She moved you, you with her. Now you're getting ready to quit. Now you're talking all kind of madness. So I ask this question. I say, would you have rather she would with five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you can make the number, mediocre men, or she was with one who was the last word? Well, I don't know, Brother Pastor, but you're going to get through it. Because what people have gone through now makes them a bundle of wisdom and strength and power to deal with how difficult you are. And God prepares gifts in many different ways in order to fix them for somebody just like you. He had to stretch them with rejection, with being walked on, with being mistreated, with being talked about. He had to bring them to the place where they understood the evils of the world and what they can't deal with. And then when God sends you, they are so appreciative of having something that has quality from God that they did with being talked about. He had to bring them to the place where they understood the evils of the world and what they can't deal with. And then when God sends you, they are so appreciative of having something that has quality from God that they determine in themselves that no matter how rough it gets, I'm going to be right here because I'm reaching for my God and all of my experience in order to make this thing work. And what you are pushing away... It's a bundle of experience because it takes wisdom, tolerance, long-suffering, devotion, commitment, integrity, honesty, love, and power from God to deal with somebody as messed up as you. Because a whole lot of folks speaking in tongues is still messed up. Uh, and that's where we went wrong in our churches. Because we just push people together. So when you say you can live with anybody. Preachers wouldn't allow us to get to know anybody. Couldn't date, couldn't take somebody to dinner. Couldn't have a conversation. It was unholy. You say, they say, go on, get together. Mothers of the church, soon as you sat, talk two times, when you're all getting mad. (laughs) 
two people together don't know anything about life or living, don't know anything, haven't tested God's strength because they haven't been through anything. Oh, but when you get somebody who's been through something and who understands the deliverance of God and the love of God to see them from the poverty of a broken spirit to the wealth of an anointed spirit, when you get somebody who understands where God can bring you from and they understand the recuperative, reconciling, propitiating, redemptive love of God, they can hang with you until they redeem you, until they reconcile you, until you look at them like the man in the beautiful mind, as crazy as he was at the end, and he looked over his life and talked about the woman who hung with him all the way through. And the only movie in my life I cried is when that man said she was with me through all the madness in my life. And that that's where you get your value from, ma'am. That's where you get your value from. When your husband can look at you after 25 years of knowing what you put him through, and they can look at you and say, if I die, I die with this one thing in my mouth. You are some kind of a woman. Because if you could have hung with me through all of this, you are some kind of a gift from God. Anybody can have a good time when it's good times, but can you have a good time when it's bad? Oh, I'm not, do I have any more time? I feel like preaching. Oh, I'm feeling it here. We're talking about the power of love. Does your love have any, doesn't have any strength? Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're at the end of our time. We have about a minute. So I'm going to quickly pray us out and we pray the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning. And I have Brother Lance ready for us tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Father God, we thank you for all that has been said and done. Thank you for Dr. Pacetti coming through. God, we thank you for the testimonies. We give you glory for the word. We thank you for Bishop Noah Jones and this message. We give you glory. We give you honor and praise. And as we depart this morning, Father, bless our going out and our coming in. Meet the need in our lives according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. We give you glory. Hallelujah. Honor and praise again. In Jesus' name, we ask it all. Amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent one from another in the name of Jesus. Go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I seek the blessings of Almighty God upon you today, August the 15, 2022, in Jesus' name. And I just briefly want to read this to you. And after this, I won't be coming back. 1 Corinthians 2, uh, Chapter 2, verses 1 through 16. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Hallelujah. So I just wanted to share that with you before we go. God bless you. Pray we come back tomorrow morning.
on a Gucci cross. He didn't have on a crown of Versace thorns or Nike shoes on his feet when the nails pierced through. There was nothing bougie about Calvary. That old ruggedy wooden cross wasn't even befitting. Well, all right, Miss Thelma, what's going on over yonder, gal? Because I'm tired of all this text, and I just want to hear your voice. Oh, my bad, my bad. So, what? When I was here in this lady this morning, somebody, when she was in the hospital. Yes. I, I, I started to get on there, but I said, no, I better not get on this. <laughs> Why? Because uh, I was going to tell you what Simon told me when he felt dead in my kitchen. Okay. Can I tell you what he said? Yes. I'm going to say it just like he said. Okay, say it just like I know, Simon. I
Yeah. 
doing because I don't hear nothing. 